Matthew 1, verse 20 to 23. And we're just going to walk through these and explain. Do, I think most of these are self-explanatory. Again, this is the angel appearing to Joseph. But when he had considered this, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for that which has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she shall bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for, for it is he who will save his people from their sins. Now all this took place that what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet might be fulfilled, saying, Behold, the virgin shall, shall be with child and shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. If he's not God, how could he bear the name God with us? <laughs> it's, it, it's, it's, it's nonsensical. It's nonsensical. This is just Matthew 3. It's in my Bible's right across the page. Matthew 3, 3. Again, John the Baptist, this is at the, the baptism of Jesus. And it's, <clears throat> and he says, concerning Jesus, for this is the one referred to by Isaiah, the prophet saying, the voice of one coming in the wilderness, make ready the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. And again, that's a quote right out of Isaiah 40, verse 3. And so, uh, <clears throat> once again, it's very clear. And this is the one, like, uh, we know about John 1.1, but we dealt with that last week, about the deity. And they have their false teaching, and they're just nailed down so strong, I don't even bother going there with them. I go to places like Matthew 1, Matthew 3, and I, in my copy of their New World Translation, the uh, Make Ready the Way of the Lord in, in uh, Isaiah, that's got their favorite words. It's got Jehovah in there. So you can take them as, uh, hey, uh, who's he making way of here in Mark 3? It's Jesus, right? Well, he's called, this one he's making the way for is called Jehovah back there. What's the deal? <laughs> you know, and then maybe if you want to, you can revisit or pay a visit to John 1-1 and show that this can't, your translation can't be right. It conflicts. See, it conflicts. Okay, and then we get Philippians, another famous uh, <clears throat> passage. And these are all good, too. Um, I know years, uh, when we used to take out evangelism teams, we used to have verses that uh, we, they used to do a little class on what they called apologetics, to where you know stuff like this. So when people say, oh, well, no, yeah, just, oh, well, wait a minute. So you know about verses like this that you can... Uh, take them to and have these discussions. But Philippians 2.6, another well-known passage, speaking of Christ, <clears throat> well, I'll pick it up at verse 5, having this attitude in yourself, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, which literally means held onto, clutched tightly. Okay? And so, but the thing of it is, he existed in the form of God. That, that totally coincides with what we saw in John 1.1. 1, 1. 1, John 1.1 1, 1 to 1, 1.4. I mean, it's just like he was face-to-face -face with God as co-equals. Same, same concept right here. Same teaching right here. And then Colossians, just move to Colossians. 
And we, re we saw Colossians 1 last time. Let's go to Colossians 2.9. Again, the uh, subject here is Christ himself. It says, for in him, speaking of Christ, all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. Could it be more clear? <laughs> I mean, these are some pretty straightforward verses. Titus 2. Titus chapter 2, verse 13. And again, these are just a sampling. 2.13 says, Looking for the blessed hope and the appearing of, of, of the glory of our great God and Savior, Christ Jesus. The, the, the grammatical structure here, our great God and Savior, is referring to the same individual, namely, Christ Jesus. See, that's, which, that's what it's exactly saying. Speaking of Christ Jesus as being God and Savior. Hebrews 1.8. This may go a lot faster than I thought. <laughs> I'm, wait, I'm wait, waiting for the JW to jump and say, wait a minute. <laughs> but Hebrew, Hebrew, well, we'll start on the five solas then. How's that? No. <laughs> Hebrews 1.8. But of the Son, and again, this, is, this whole chapter one's about Christ, but of the Son, he says, speaking to the Father, but of the Son, thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. Remember, this is talking about the Son. Christ, the Son of God, second person of the Trinity. Go back to that lesson. Second person of the Trinity, the Son, Father, Son, Spirit. But of the Son, it said, it is said, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. There is, again, eternality. Uh, and the righteous scepter is, is the scepter of his kingdom. And again, this whole section through here is, is a quotation. Matter of fact, from verse 5 in Hebrews 1 all the way through, it's, it's just one Old Testament quote after another from primarily the Psalms, and then I think there's one from, well, there's one from Second Samuel, and then there's, uh, uh, <clears throat> I think there's one from Isaiah. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> to the hardcore unbeliever, one that's just locked in, those that are, you know, you might say their conscience are seared with a hot iron. Those that uh, have been given up, you're, you're not going to ever convince them. They're not going to move. And thankfully, that's not our responsibility. Salvation is by grace, through faith. And if they have not been touched by the grace of God, they're just not going to get it. Just not going to get it. It's just simple. That was, as a matter of fact, that whole that was one of the one of the cries of the reformers. Like, hey, you know, faith alone, in Christ alone, by grace alone. I mean, it's just, it's just alone, alone, alone. And if you you don't get it, they're not going to get it. Second Peter one one. Simon Peter, a bondservant, doulos, or slave of and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have received a faith of the same kind as ours by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Same construction as we saw in Titus. Same construction. Describing Jesus as our God and Savior. 
I mean, there's another great one uh, to go to. And again, the, <clears throat> the person that has ears to hear will hear this. I mean, it's, it's very straightforward, very straightforward. Um, now, another one, another point that people always try to make, or I've heard stated on radio, TV, all your popular places, well, Jesus never claimed to be God. Okay, that's what they say. Let's back up and start back in again in Matthew, Matthew 12. And I eliminated verses thinking this would be too long. That uh, still might be. We're not done yet. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> is, is, is that a promise? <laughs> Holy moly. <laughs> here we go. Sometimes it's better not to speak. Okay, here we have. I'm speaking to myself. No. <laughs> now, here's one, too, where it says, in the many, many discussions, and there's some handouts over on this table, on the many, many discussions that Jesus had with the, his critics, scribes, Pharisees, and so forth, priests, this is one... Remember, they were always haranguing about the Sabbath. And I, purp I purposely think, you, if you remember, remember the guy, the man that was born blind? You know, he was, he was healed on the Sabbath. And another person was healed on the Sabbath. And they said, pick up your pallet, your stretcher, and go. And then this guy was gigged for carrying his, his, his pallet, right? Because on the Sabbath, I mean, they had, they had so perverted the, the, the Sabbath I am convinced that Jesus did a lot of these healings on the Sabbath on purpose, just to make a point and to show how stupid their rules were and how they were man-made rules, not God's rules. Because we know from Scripture, number one, Jesus lived a totally perfect, sinless life. Therefore, he never broke the Sabbath because that, was still in vogue. That was part of the, the law. You, you must obey all the Sabbath rules and regulations. He never broke a one of them. So if he's healing on the Sabbath, that's not against the Sabbath. <laughs> okay. And to make his point about it, well, he adds at the end of one of the conversations in, of 12, Matthew 12, he says, for the son of man is the Lord of the Sabbath. Now I want to compare that with Leviticus 19. Verse 3. Leviticus 19, verse 3. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. But for me, it's getting down to those last two pages. You know? <laughs> yeah, getting things moving, you know. Leviticus 19, 3 says... Every one of you shall reverence his mother and his father, and you shall keep my Sabbath. I am the Lord your God. So here you have God. You know, I am the Lord your God, Lord, uh, Yahweh. I am Yahweh, your God. In other words, he says, keep you, you be holy, for I am the Lord your God, am holy. Um, <clears throat> and so therefore, oh, wrong verse, wrong passage. Verse 3, I went up to verse 1. Um, Everyone who shall reverence his mother and his father and shall keep my Sabbath, I am the Lord, still 
Yahweh, your God. My Sabbath, the Lord, Lord of the Sabbath. See, my Sabbath. So Jesus is, in effect, claiming to be the very one who made this statement. I mean, the equation is there. It, it, it's there. It, it, it's right there. Um, and again, for those that have eyes to see, it's I mean, the, the, uh, the evidence of, of Jesus Christ being God is just everywhere. I kind of like to compare that one to a lot of doctrines that seem to be mysterious to people. One of them um, that's very mysterious because it's very much um, covered up by wet blankets <laughs> is the doctrine of election, for example. I mean, once a person gets a grasp on it, it it's, <laughs> you see, you read, a, oh my goodness, there it is again. It's everywhere in scripture. Well, God did it. God did it. God did it. God did it. <laughs> I mean, it's just everywhere. But it's one of those doctrines that uh, people just can't get out of their own way on sometimes. And they go, well, I just think I need to. I, I, well, lesson for another day. John chapter 8. And this is really one. This passage is what I call a barn burner. <laughs> this is a big one. This one, to ignore this one, is coming from a mindset that just does not want to believe who Jesus is. You know, or like, like Islam does, oh, well, the New Testament's been corrupted. You can't believe it. You know, they'll, they'll come up with some kind of lame excuse, okay? It just that, they, that doesn't, doesn't wash. Some of this actually, you've done studies, and people that you know far more than I do have done studies, and they, are, they go back into the manuscripts and all the manuscripts that have been found over the years. It's just, the evidence is just overwhelming. Yeah, yeah. You know, imagine that. A false religious system with contradictions. How did that work? How did that happen? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, turn to whatever passage you want, depending on what day it is and how you feel. Um, John 8, 52 to 58. The Jews said to him, Now we know that you have a demon. Abraham died, and the prophets also. And you say, If anyone keeps my word, he shall never taste of death. Now, that would be a very arrogant statement if you weren't, you know, sent by God, wouldn't it? Surely you are not greater than our, fa our father Abraham who died. The prophets died too. Whom do you make yourself out to be? Boy, they shouldn't have asked that one. But Jesus answered and said, if I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. It is my father who glorifies of me, of whom you say he is our God. And you have not come to know him. Ooh, that's, that's, pretty, that's right between the eyes there. And you have not come to know him, but I know him. And if I say that I do not know him, I shall be a liar like you. But I do know him and keep his words. Um, like without saying like, unlike you. <laughs> You know, your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. Wow. I mean, you go back to the story of Abraham and compare it with a few passages. Jesus was, well, remember the Lord that walked with Abraham? 
ate with Abraham. We're going to look at that in upcoming lessons, the, the pre-incarnate the Christ in the Old Testament. We're going to look at some of those, that one especially. Verse 57, the Jews therefore said to him, you are not yet 50 years old and you have seen Abraham? Mm-hmm. And, and here's, here's where the cannon goes off. Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was born, I am. It's right out of Exodus 3.14, the voice from the burning bush. Jesus claimed to be that very God that says, that answered the question of Moses. As Moses said to him, Lord, who shall I say you are? And he says, you say that I am, I am, I am that I am sent you. You know, Yahweh. That's, and that, that, that is where the word Yahweh comes from. That sacred name of God. I mean, this is a huge statement. If he, I mean, we, we have to put this in just plain terms here. Either Jesus is exactly who he said he was and claimed to be, or he's the biggest fraud in all of history. There's no middle ground on this. There is no middle ground. He, he, if he's not everything he said he was, he's a phony. I think scripture is clear, and thank you, Lord, by grace through faith, I believe it. See, and, and, that's, and that's what it all boils down to, okay? But it's good for us, for our, our personal apologetic, that we, that we know and understand these things because it helps our personal faith, our walk, that, you know, things happen, we get down, we get whatever, the, the problems of life, you know, um, we know whom we have believed in, right? And know he's going to keep us till that day. We know it. That, that is the hope of the believer. You know, hope not like, oh, gee, I hope so. But hope actually meaning, and we have an expectation of heaven. We have, an, we have the expectation of eternal life. And we have expectation of a glorious existence in the new heaven and new earth. So, I mean, that is what hope means. It means expectation, not Gee, I hope so, you know. Okay. And then John 10. Yeah, they picked up stones to throw at him because Jesus, no, no, Jesus hit himself. Well, even, I mean, we can back up to chapter 5. Uh, <clears throat> was it 518? Yes. 518. The Jews, again, were going after him. Was it, why did they go after him in John 518? For this For this cause, therefore, the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him because he not only was breaking the Sabbath. Here we go there again. okay, but also was calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. So every time you see that term son of God, that's a term of deity. As well as a description of who he is. That's a term of deity. Son of God. Actually, and then matter of fact, next week we're going to be doing names and titles of God, among perhaps other things. But, um, no, it, this is, I mean, again, Scripture is so, so clear. Where was I going? John 10. John 10, uh, 27 to 30. I mean, another one. Again, my sheep hear my voice. Again, those who the, the grace of God has come into 
those that the Lord has touched, those are his sheep. My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. And I, listen to the statements he's saying, I, and I give eternal life to them. You know, I give eternal life to them and they shall never perish. And no one shall snatch them out of my hand. My father, well, there he goes claiming God's his father, therefore claiming equality with God. My father who has given them to me is greater than all. And no one is able to snatch them out of my father's hand. And then to reinforce everything, he says, I and the father are one, one in essence, one in essence. We know there's three persons, but yet one singular God. So he's claiming, he's claiming that one in essence. And we know from our study, you can put the Holy Spirit into the mix too. So all three are one in essence, the eternal God. It's amazing. Okay. And then Revelation. Revelation chapter 1. Verse 8. <clears throat> Did I miss that one? Yes. I missed, I certainly did. Okay, 17 John, Gospel of John, 17 5. Keep your finger in Revelation if you went there. <laughs> if you took it out, sorry. <laughs> no. Uh, John 17 5 says, and now glorify thou me together with yourself, Father, with the glory which I had with you before the world was. So there he's claiming, again, he's calling him the Father, claiming to have the glory that he had with thee when? Before the world was. In the beginning was the word. He's reinforcing that. Yeah. When the world was, I was there. Before the world was, I was there. I was there. He's he, Again, there's that. There's that uh, incommunicable attribute of eternality. He's an eternal being. You know, eternality, eternal. No beginning, no end. No beginning. He wasn't there. He, well, he's, and he said he was there. <laughs> I mean, it just all this stuff just keeps, the, the evidence is monumental. I mean, it's, 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 it's humongous. There's just, it's just everywhere. And that's, that is why scripture is so, so important. You know, it, um, that's, our, that's our one and only source for truth, especially truth about God. My goodness, you go off into these la-la land things of, where there's just insanity. Okay, Romans 1, <laughs> Revelation 1. Yeah, I'm doing good. Hope I get better as the day goes on. Anyway, Revelation 1.8, I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. And you compare that with where we're going um, in verse 18 and, or 17 and 18 of Revelation 1. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as a dead man, and he laid his right hand upon me, saying, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. Alpha, Omega, first, last, right? If, if that was originally written in English, it would be, I am the A and the Z. Okay? There's no letters before, and there's no letters coming after. That's it. 
I'm the whole deal. I'm eternal. Verse 18, and the living one, and I was dead, and behold, I am alive. Furthermore, I have the keys of death and Hades. That's the power over death and life. Speaking, that's speaking, that's Christ talking about Calvary. I was dead, and behold, I am alive. Dead, resurrected. Okay, that's, <clears throat> that's it. And that's why we know that this is, well, we know from just reading from the, from Revelation 1, 1, right on through, that this is Jesus. Now, in all fairness to other folks, some say 1, verse 8 is actually the Father speaking, mm-hmm. because it says the Lord God. Whether it is or isn't, and, and again, there's godly people on both sides. And this isn't, again, this isn't one of those verses that we need to start a new denomination over. But uh, either way you look at it, if it is uh, the Father, well, here's Jesus when he says, I'm the first and last, he's claiming equality with him again. So at the very least, that's what you've got, which is a strong, strong argument. That's a, that's a very strong argument of, of the deity, okay? <clears throat> I'm really don't care which way people go on this verse eight because the truth is there and it doesn't hurt any doctrine out there. It doesn't hurt anything. Okay. Now our final section, Jesus displayed the power of God. So let's back up again, once again, to our friend, Matthew, Matthew eight. I think we're going to, I think we're going to bring the train in on time to say, <laughs> Just unless somebody derails us. <laughs> Matthew 8, beginning of verse 23. They're out on a boat, they're out on the Sea of Galilee. 8.23 says, And when he got into the boat, his disciples followed him, and behold, there arose a great storm in the sea, so that the boat was covered with the waves. I mean, it wasn't covered with the waves. But he himself was asleep. And they came to him and awoke him and saying, save us, Lord, we are perishing. And he said to them, why are you so timid, you men of little faith? Then he arose, I love this, and rebuked the winds and the sea, and it became perfectly calm. I'm going to stop right there for a minute. I mean, perfectly calm. I think like you know, you've heard the expression, the uh, ocean is smooth as glass. I figure it's as smooth as these tabletops. I'm not kidding. When, when the Lord does something, he does it. He does it. And when it says here, when the words used, it became perfectly calm. Not just nicely calm or kind of calm. I mean, perfectly calm. And then look at their reaction, verse 27. And men marveled, saying, what kind of man is this that even the winds and the sea obey him? In our lesson, we have the answer. Didn't what kind of man is he? He's God. That's what kind of man he is. He's the God man. I mean, that right there, that to have that kind of power, just rebuke. Boom. I don't know what the words are. I said, but bang, it happened. And I believe it was instantaneous. You know how you, uh, you throw a, a rock in the water, and, you have the, and, the, and the ripples keep going. 
I'm, I'm confident that when he spoke it, the entire Sea of Galilee just went smooth, just smooth as glass, right then and there. I don't believe there was any, you know, the, the, the storm stopped and you still had the residual, you know, waves. Up. No, I don't read that here. I read when he rebuked it, the storm quit and boom, everything went quiet, just dead smooth, calm. just dead calm. Just like he said, perfectly calm. You know, because that's, again, that's the power of God. But Matthew 14. Well, Matthew 14, 15, and I don't, I'm not going to read this, but uh, <clears throat> if I remember, yeah, this is um, the feeding of the 5,000. We know that he got the, uh, the loaves and the fishes, and uh, he says there's five loaves and two fish. And from that, he fed 5,000 people. Well, verse 21 says, and there were about 5,000 men who ate aside from women and children. So you could have easily had 10, 15, 20. I'm, you see what I mean? There's a bunch of people. A lot more than five loaves of bread and two fish are going to feed. But then when they came back with... Uh, all those baskets of leftover, you know, um, tw 12 full baskets. That's an act of creation. There's no other way to put it. That's an act of creation. You, you know, um, and in 1424 to 27, um, here's again the boat again. Well, here's where he... Uh, they were, they, they pushed out, the, the, the disciples pushed out onto the Sea of Galilee. Jesus stayed behind to pray. And, um, well, let's just read it then. Uh, verse 24. But the boat was already many stadia, a wave, a stadia is about 600 feet, from the land, battered by waves. Here we got the storm again. For the winds were contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came, he came to them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were frightened, saying, It is a ghost. And they cried out for fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Take courage, I do not be afraid. I mean, the one I'm going to, we had, we had a rough sea. There was waves and it was choppy and, and stuff like that. It wasn't like that storm before, but it was, it was rough. And just walking along top of the water, here comes Jesus. I mean, again, that's power over creation. That's just power over creation. That is just pure power, pure authority. I mean, that is amazing. In Matthew 15, um, 32 to 38, well, now he, here's a situation. He's going to feed 4,000. Okay, he's going to feed 4,000. And the same, the, essentially the exact same miracle done again with the exact same results and everything else. Um, <clears throat> out of uh, minimal, he created plenty. <laughs> and again, another act of creation. Let's, look, let's move on to Luke. Luke 7, 11. And here's the story of the widow of Nain. Luke 7, 11, it came about soon afterwards that he went to a city called Nain. And his disciples were going along with him, accompanied by a large multitude. Now, as he approached the gate of the city, behold, a dead man was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. And a sizable crowd 
from the city was with her. And when the Lord saw her, he felt compassion for her and said to her, do not weep. And he came up and touched the coffin and the bearers came to a halt and said, young man, I say to you, arise. And the dead man sat up and began to speak. And Jesus gave him back to his mother. I mean, again, bringing the dead back to life. Um, and there's even a greater one of these coming up. Uh, we know with the, you know, <clears throat> but uh, the fact, I, I love the fact here that one motivation, he felt compassion. We don't know anything else about this woman or this fellow that was risen back. What we do know is he just, he felt compassion for her because she's going to be left all alone in this world. And who, we don't know her fate. We don't know anything else about her other than the Lord saw her one day, felt compassion on her, and brought her, her boy back to life. I mean, sometimes that was the Lord's motive. Hey, that's his motivation for saving us. He felt compassion on us. You know, I mean, that's just, that is, quite frankly, that is God being God. That is God being God, showing his mercy, showing his, his grace. Luke 22, and I know he's, he's in control, but he has, he has concern for all of humanity, actually, even those that are going to reject him. Um, what, and this lady and her son might be two of them. We don't know. We don't know anything about those folks. They didn't approach him. He approached them. Yeah, he just walked to them, and he just did that nice thing, and that's all we know. He felt compassion and worked about as great of a miracle as one could think of. Luke 22, verse 48. This is um, in the garden. Jesus, and, but Jesus said to him, Judas, are you betraying the Son of Man with a kiss? And when those who were around him saw what was going to happen, they said, Lord, shall we strike with a sword? And a certain one of them, we know that's Peter, um, struck the slave of the high priest and cut off his right ear. Now, he was swinging for the fences and missed. I think he was going for the whole head. And he, he caught the ear, and off it came. But Jesus answered and said, stop. You notice the exclamation point? Stop. He says, no more of this. And we know the reason why, right? He had to go be convicted of nothing and go to the cross. He, this, is, this is what he was born for. This is why he came on earth the first time. And he touched his ear and healed him. Now remember, the ear was off. They cut off, and he touched the ear. Now did one grow back? Or did the one on the ground jump up off the ground? And I don't know. I wasn't there. <laughs> I'm not that old. No, but you know, you, I don't know how it worked, but we know this. The, the guy left with the ear intact, okay? <laughs> however, however that happened. But we don't know. We don't know. Look at all the people, namely his critics, that witness so many of his miracles and say, well, he does, he does what he does by the power of Satan. So there you go. I mean, I mean you know, it's like the old... Yeah, it's like... 
it's like the saying goes, there's none so blind that will not see. I'm telling you, man, they're just, <laughs> that's the truth. I mean, if, if, they're, if they're locked in reject mode, they're going to, that's it. They're going to say, it, it's going to take the grace of God to shake them out of it. I mean, as quite frankly, us too. The same thing with us. If, if, but for the grace of God, it, we would be, we might have um, not been in such deep denial, but denial is denial and rejection of the gospel is rejection of the gospel and you wind up in the same place. So, you know, that, that's something we need to consider. Now, John 2.11, uh, 1 to 11. Now here we have the wedding feast at Cana. Again, I believe another, and I'll just read quickly, read through it. And this is another act of creation. On the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee and the mother of Jesus was there. And Jesus also was invited and, and his disciples to the wedding. And when the wine gave out, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. And Jesus said to her, woman, what do I have to do with you? My hour has not yet come. Now, that was not, he was not being ugly. He was just, he was just, that's how they just talked in those days. Woman, ma'am, lady, you know, he wasn't, he was not being discourteous. His mother said to the servants, whatever he says to you, do it. Now, right there, his mother saying that, I believe, it, it, or at least I, I, I believe that she was probably very good friends with whoever was getting married and she was probably in the, in the group that was doing preparation work for the wedding because to be able for some lady to walk up to the stewards and say, hey, whatever this fellow tells you to do, do it. They're not going to listen to you if they haven't gotten directions from you before. Okay, so she was probably part of the setup and because she was probably a close friend of who was getting married. And therefore, Jesus was also one, and close enough that his disciples came, were invited to go too. Okay, so this is somebody that knew them pretty well. In verse 6, now there were six stones of water pots that were uh, for the Jewish custom of purification. Right? See, they, weren't, they weren't drinking water, for, for purification, containing 20 or 30 gallons each. Jesus said to them, fill the water pots with water, and they filled them to the brim, like right up to the top. No more were going to fit. It's right up to the top. And he said to them, draw some now, draw some out now and take it to the head waiter. And they took it to him. And when the, when the head waiter tasted the water, which had become wine and did not know where it came from, but the servants who had drawn the water knew the head waiter called the bridegroom and said to him, every man serves the good wine first. But when men have drunk freely, then they, which is poor, you, you kept good. You kept the good until now. Well, you're supposed to serve the good stuff first because that's what's going to What's gonna, what they're going to really remember, right? As far as taste goes, I'm not trying to make it like they had a drunken brawl here. Not, not at all. But, uh, and then it goes, this beginning of his signs, Jesus did in Cain of Galilee and manifested his glory and his disciples believed in him. Okay. And, uh, but anyway, it's again, here is another act of creation. And I think that which makes it clear too, uh, to us, the readers, is that we're told that extra little piece of information Fill it to the brim. Nothing else was stuck in there, added in there. Those water pots were all full to the top. Every one of them was full. There was no empty ones. And you, there was no room to add anything else into any of them. So, no nothing. It was just pure water that he turned into pure wine. The best wine they had tasted. The best wine they had. And, um, 
the follow-up story is a sneaky little guy hauled a few out, bottled it, and sold it. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> that was Lazarus. Yeah. John 11. John 11, 38. Beautiful passage here. I mean, this is our Savior. I mean, just, just think about that as we read through this. John eleven thirty eight. 38. Jesus, therefore, again, being deeply moved within him, came to the tomb. Now, now, it was a cave, and a stone was lying against it. Jesus said, remove the stone. Martha, the sister of the deceased, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be a stench, for he has been dead four days. The rising, raising of the, the widow's son, this man was on his way to the tomb. He, was, he was, died very recently, probably within hours. They don't mess around in that day. They start moving. So... Somebody might say, well, you know, he might have just been asleep. But there's no question about this one. No question about this one. When you got the sister, Martha, saying, hey, you know, this could all be very embarrassing. Don't do this. Verse 40, Jesus said to her, did I not say to you, if you believe, you will see the glory of God? See, earlier, it's referring back to an earlier conversation, which is in chapter 11. And so they removed the stone, and Jesus raised his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you heard me. And I know, I knew that you heard me always, you hear me always, but because of the people standing around, I said it, that they may believe that you did send me. Okay? And again, we look at this from that perspective, which Jesus often calls, especially we see this in, in uh, Matthew and Mark and Luke, where Jesus often refers to himself as the son of man. Okay, you did send me the son of man. When you hear that term son of man, think Daniel 7, where the ancient of days is on the throne and he's going to send one like a son of man to heaven. Okay, there's the connection of the terms. And when we get into the... Uh, term son of man probably next week we'll go to that we've been in there before but it's always good to hit it again because these are such critical points of this is this is our savior verse 43 and when he had said these things he cried out with a loud voice Lazarus come forth he verse 44 he who had died came forth bound hand and foot with wrappings and his face was wrapped around with a cloth Jesus said to them Unbind him and let him go. And this is always gets me, the two, two type. Many, therefore, of the Jews. Now, verse 45, remember in John where it says the Jews? That most of the time, and this is one of those, is refers to the Jewish leadership. That John used that term a lot. You know, Matthew and Mark use scribes, and, you know, they name them more. Now, Matt and John does too, but a lot of times when he says, when he says the Jews, he's referring, referring to the leadership types. Scribes, Pharisees, and so forth. Many, therefore, of the Jews who had come to Mary and behold what he had done, believed in him. Oh, that's, that's from the Pharisee side. That's not a good thing. But look at verse 46. But some of them went away to the Pharisees and told them the things which Jesus had done. And then you read the next, the following verses and once again, they're concocting another conspiracy to kill him because that's their reaction to these miracles. Again, the blind 
the disbelieving, they see the act of God and they deny the act of God and they attack the messenger of God. In this case, their own Messiah. Well, let's close the word of prayer. Father God, we thank you, Lord, for this time together. And we do thank you, Lord, for the clarity of your word that, Lord Jesus, you are the divine son of God, very God, God on the flesh that came to this earth to pay the price for our sin. We thank you for that, Lord, and we acknowledge you for who you are. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.